This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. With Sunday afternoon, about 4.30 p.m., and my husband and I were driving on I-25, which is the only interstate highway, really, between Colorado Springs and Denver. We were heading to Denver, and I was going to a work commitment that evening and for the bulk of that rest of that week. It was a beautiful day, sunny, gorgeous, and close to 100 degrees, when all of a sudden, we weren't that far into the trip on I-25, when everything comes to a standstill. Now, you have to understand, if you live here in Colorado, you know this, that if anything happens on I-25, you're going to be at a standstill, because there's no place to go. There's nowhere to get off. There are no alternative routes. And if there's an accident and you're stuck, you're stuck. Well, typically, even when that happens and you're stuck, you might not be stuck for long. And so we figured it probably wouldn't be that long, just like it usually is. However, if you are trying to get somewhere by a deadline, you're probably going to miss that. And so it was very clear that I was probably going to be in trouble trying to get to this evening meeting that I needed to attend in Denver. Now, what was also interesting is because the highway is really not adequate for the number of people in the region now, they're expanding the highway and there's a lot of construction. And as the construction's going on, all of the shoulders have been removed and there are barriers kind of on each side, left and right. And you're driving through this two-lane highway with very narrow lanes and sudden lane changes. So most likely what happened is someone up ahead missed the signs about the lane changes and somehow crashed into an embankment. That's what we figured probably occurred. And in the meantime, all the traffic is stopped and backed up. After I'd been sitting there for a while, maybe 45 minutes, and I thought, oh my God, we're not going to get out of here. I'm going to miss the meeting. And so this relates to what do you do when you're stuck on a highway? So number one, you remain calm no matter what's going on. So number one, remain calm. Number two, you assess the situation. Now, I didn't do this, but I saw a number of people were out of their cars and they walked up to see what was going on. And I later learned that there was a seven car polyp with a truck involved and the entire highway on our side was blocked. There was absolutely no way to get past the car polyp because it was horizontal across the highway. And there would be no way to move it without heavy equipment and others to help. So here we are. If you look behind us, the highway is completely blocked. Cars all the way back. We can't see as far back to Colorado Springs, but we know the traffic after 45 minutes. This is a very busy highway is backed up all the way to Colorado Springs. So that's the scenario. That's the situation. You got the two lanes full. So number three, 
do what you can to help. Obviously, eventually, emergency vehicles are going to have to get in here. So all the cars that were in the left lane where we were moved left as they possibly could against the wall. All the cars on the right moved as far right as they could against that wall. This left an extremely narrow passageway between the two cars. And later on, fire trucks, ambulances, police cars, and all had to come all the way from Colorado Springs to go through this narrow passageway. I really couldn't even imagine how the fire truck got through there because it really wasn't a lot of room. However, people just very cooperatively moved well in advance. So by the time that all that happened, the space was opened up. And then number four, inform others who need to know. So, of course, those who went to the front, they let us know what the situation was and that we'd probably be there for a while. I got on the phone, called my business colleagues, let them know I wasn't probably going to make it to the meeting, and so on. All total, I ended up being stuck on this highway for two hours without moving, all in the same place, two hours. And remember, I said it was 100 degrees outside. We had been running the car and the air conditioning for a while, but after a while, we turned the car off to let the car rest, and I decided to get out of the car and get outside and see what was going on. And let me tell you what people were doing and what I saw. And this is one of the reasons that I love Colorado and I love Coloradans in situations like this. People were out walking their children. They were walking their children by hand. They were walking other children in strollers. (laughs) Mind you, this is just through the little passageway of the cars. They were out walking their dogs. People were playing Frisbee. They had Frisbees in the car. People had foldable chairs that they took out, sat out in the back. It actually was a breeze outside, so it was actually cooler if you got out of the car. So people were just sitting in their little portable chairs, almost like they were about to have a little tailgate party. People were exchanging food, checking to see if everybody had water. And if you live in Colorado, you have a tendency to travel with water anyway. And clearly, if it's 100 degrees, you definitely need water. And people were talking and sharing information. So I was out there talking to some guys. And one guy, he was worked in a hospital. He's trying to get to work. And he had assessed. He had gone up there and found out no one was critically injured. And even though the Flight for Life helicopter had come in, they left because they didn't have any critical injuries. It was just minor injuries. So those could wait for the ambulance to come up. And he had to go way, way into Denver. So he was going to be late. And he called his team and gave them instructions about what to do until he got there. Other people were taking hikes, and we were laughing and joking, having fun, passing the time in a pleasant way, and people were of a very pleasant disposition. We were also being very thankful. We were about 800 feet to 1,000 feet away from this accident. That meant, minute-wise, we were not far from the impact. So if we had been just minutes earlier, we could very well have been caught up in the accident. And we were really thankful that we were not. We also knew that once all the emergency vehicles got in, we would be one of the first groups moved out past the accident, which means we would more quickly get to the other side. So we were thankful we were not in the accident, thankful we were going to get out early, because as we looked behind us, all of those cars all the way back to Colorado Springs, they had at least an additional hour probably left before they were going to be able to get through all of this confusion. And ultimately, when the highway finally opened up, all of those people who had been out playing Frisbee and doing all of these things in a very orderly and courteous manner just took turns between the two lanes 
and allowed one another to get through and get out of the crisis. We were kind of marveling uh, with, with some of the guys I was talking to out there about living in other places. There are some cities where if you were in the same situation, people would be impatient. They would be cursing. They would be saying all manner of negative things. And really, there was nothing anyone could do about this. Nothing at all. So none of that was going to help. It was just going to add to the stress. So I thought, this is really a good learning about sometimes we are in scenarios and situations that we really can't control, like being stuck on the highway. And it's really great to keep your sense of humor. It's great to be thankful. It's great to access and talk to other people, to be courteous, and to think about what you could do that might make another person's condition better. And at the end of the day, no matter what goes on, have a little fun. So you might be wondering why I'm telling you this story. And I'm telling you this story because in every organization, there will be times when you're going to face circumstances that are challenging or that are difficult. Organizations are going to have scenarios that are unexpected. And so here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about how you can always be prepared, pay attention to what's in your car, so to speak, so that you're prepared for what may happen. Be prepared for the unexpected. It's a Girl Scout strategy, a Boy Scout strategy. In essence, you want your people to triumph over all of these difficult odds. And sometimes in order to triumph, you've got to do a couple things. Have a great mindset, first of all. Think about what can I do to be helpful right now? What can I do to be engaging? Sometimes you have to get out of the car. The breeze is often better on the outside, even in the midst of a crisis. I think you can go through a stressful circumstance. You can go through a crisis and your organization can face this distress without fretting and without it being life ending, so to speak. In fact, you can create stories that actually capture your culture and make your people proud because of how you went through that crisis. And I'm certainly proud of Colorado for how all the people on the highway went through this two-hour crisis in a 100-degree heat when no one was expecting to be stuck for two hours And you know what? That was very inspiring to me. And that can be very inspiring in your organization as well. So we don't wish crises on you, but we know that they come. So be prepared and get a great news story out of it that you can share within your organization. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.